Welcome once again to Burnside at Home. Thank you for listening to our service today. Uh, as usual, uh, the, there will be no singing involved in the service, uh, but this is uh, a pre-recorded version of what will happen uh, in our church building on Sunday. Do remember, you're very welcome to come and join with us. We've put in all the safety procedures that we can. There's two metre distancing at all stages and uh, our service is kept shorter than normal. So it's about half an hour within our church building. Also, there's lots of ventilation. So if you are coming along, please make sure that you dress appropriately and wear a coat uh, to keep warm during the service. So thank you very much for listening once again. We really do appreciate you being part of our worship in this way. And now as we begin the service, our theme today is rebuilding. Welcome to Burnside at Home. Thanks for joining with us in this online worship service from Burnside Presbyterian Church in Port Stewart. I know that some of you aren't able to join with us on Sunday because you're still shielding and wanting to stay away from crowds. I know that many others of you are tuning in from other parts of the country, either because you've discovered us online or because you normally come here during the summer and join with us in person. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing today, we hope that you know God's presence with you as we worship him and as we praise him together. I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has been coming along on the past couple of Sundays. And thank you to everyone who's been involved in organising that. Things have worked out very, very smoothly over these last few weeks. There's been plenty of distance between everyone. Everyone has done exactly what's been asked of them whenever they've come into the church and sat where they wanted, uh, where they were asked to sit, even though it wasn't perhaps where you wanted to sit. And we really do appreciate that and thank you uh, for everyone complying with all of the different bits of legislation that we've had to put in place. Today, as we come to worship God, we're going to be thinking about rebuilding. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at returning, we've been looking at re-emerging, and today it's rebuilding. And we're going to be looking at the story of Nehemiah and how Nehemiah was called upon by God to rebuild Jerusalem at a time where everything had been devastated, where the people had been taken away in exile and as they returned, they hadn't really got round to the important job of rebuilding the city again. And we're going to look at how that corresponds to our lives as we seek to rebuild again after this coronavirus, after the lockdown period, how we rebuild our own personal lives, how we rebuild church life, uh, but also how we go out and rebuild community again. Because there are many in our community who are suffering at this time. There are many who are struggling at this time and need hope and need help and need uh, the faith in God to help them rebuild their lives. So how do we do that as a congregation? In a moment or two, we're going to be led in prayer. Uh, then we're going to look together at God's word. Uh, Norman Stevenson's going to read from 1 Peter chapter 2 about how we are living stones being built together and a little bit more on that later. And uh, then later on, we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 2. Also in today's service, Louise Glenn is going to sing uh, a cornerstone, uh, a wonderful hymn that we think about how we build our lives on the hope of Jesus Christ. And we're going to think a little bit about uh, those lyrics as well throughout our service. So 
join with us now as we worship God and I pray today that we would know God's blessing, that we would know his presence with us and that we would hear his voice in our hearts and know what he is saying to us. So let us worship God together. So as we think about rebuilding today, I want us to consider the story that Jesus told of the wise and the foolish builder from Luke chapter 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it, because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So let us pray together. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence today, we ask, Lord, that your presence would surround us in this time of worship. We come to you, Lord, because you are the great architect, the great builder. You created this whole world by your word of command. And so today, Lord, as we think about rebuilding our lives, and we think about rebuilding our church life, and then we think about rebuilding the community around us, we look to you, Lord, for your plan and your purpose and your direction. Lord, help us as your people to turn to you and find hope in you. Help us, Lord, to trust in you this day. And help us, Lord, to see the way forward, walking with you each day and following your commands. We pray, Lord, that you would show us how to rebuild. You would show us, Lord, the plan that you have for us. And help us, Lord, to obey that plan and to follow you. Lord, we realise that our lives have been taken apart Church life has been taken apart and society has been taken apart over these last few months. And now, Lord, we don't just want to rush back to the way things were, but we want to make sure that we do things the way that you want them done. So, Lord, forgive us for the ways that we have lived in the past without you. We ask for your forgiveness and we pray now that you would help us to turn to you and follow you closely. Help us, Lord, to find encouragement in you. Help us to trust in you. And help us this day, Lord, to bring glory to you, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him 
will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they are destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. So as we think about rebuilding today, Norman has just read that passage from 1 Peter chapter 2, which talks about Jesus being the cornerstone that we are built around. It talks about us being the living stones that are being built together into God's house here on earth. And of course, whenever we think of Jesus being the cornerstone, there's that wonderful song uh, that we often sing, uh, based around my hope is built on nothing less. And uh, Louise Glenn is going to sing that for us in a moment. But I just want to highlight some of the verses of uh, that hymn and some of the, the words that we're going to hear Louise singing in a moment. Just so that we can think about them and see how they fit in with what we're talking about today. And the hymn begins as we're thinking about rebuilding our lives, building on Jesus Christ a cornerstone. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust on Jesus' name. If we're going to rebuild our lives, then it has to be upon Jesus. Jesus has to be the one that we don't put our hope anywhere else. In Christ alone, my hope is found. We put our hope on Jesus. We build upon Jesus. And so therefore, that means that we don't build our lives up and then add Jesus onto the side. We build our lives based upon Jesus and based upon what Jesus teaches us and what he tells us. And as the chorus goes each time, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love, through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. That through every storm and every trouble and every danger, Jesus Christ remains firm. He is the cornerstone. Our lives are built around it. Whatever comes at us, he does not move. And if we built on him, then we will be safe and secure. As the verses go on, when darkness seems to hide his face, whenever things come around us and we wonder, is Jesus really with us? Is Jesus able to help us in this way? When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, is also our anchor and he will not be shaken. He will not move. We can rely upon him. When he shall come with trumpet sound, we look forward to the day when he returns again. 
Whenever he comes back, oh may I then and him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne. It's not because of anything that we've done that we're able to stand before the throne of Jesus Christ. It is because of what he has done. It's because of his righteousness. We don't try to go on our own righteousness by taking our own good deeds with us. We simply take the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, clothed in that, and stand before him. And then we say once again, Christ alone, cornerstone, that we're trusting in him and he is Lord of all. Of course, there are many dangers in life. There are many troubles. There's much darkness that we go through. But there's a wonderful verse in Isaiah 41 and verse 10 where we're told, so do not fear, God tells us, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so God tells us, do not fear because he is with us. He is the cornerstone. If our lives are built upon him, then we will be safe and secure. He is the anchor and we can find safety in him. And that whatever comes our way, as we start to rebuild, he is with us and will not let us go. So Louise is going to sing this song for us now and let's meditate upon the words. My hope is built on nothing less. Let us bring our prayers for others today. And as we do so, we want to pray for revival in our land. And I want to do that using the words of a song by the Wren Collective, Build Your Kingdom Here, where we pray through the song, and we'll play it later on in our service as well, that we ask God that he would bring revival and that he would build his kingdom here among us. Let's also give thanks for our offering as we pray. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks today for your goodness to us and we thank you that we are able to bring our offerings to you today. And now, Lord, we pray for revival. Build your kingdom here, Lord. Let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand and heal our streets and land. Lord, set your church on fire Win this nation back. Change the atmosphere. Build your kingdom here, we pray. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope. Let wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church and we need your power in us. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. Refuse to waste our lives for your our joy and prize. To see the captive hearts released, the hurt, the sick, the poor at peace. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We are your church. And we pray revive this earth. We're praying for revival, Lord. 
Amen. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 to 20. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards Fountain Gate and the King's Pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up the valley by night examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had sent to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Amen. Today then, our theme is rebuilding and we're continuing this series of prism where we're holding up the prism of God's word to our lives and looking at how it separates out all the different parts of our lives so that we can see how they fit into God's plan. And today we come to rebuilding. We've already been looking at uh, returning to God. We've been looking at re-emerging from the story of Noah. And today we come to Nehemiah and we are rebuilding. And there are really a couple of approaches that you can take to rebuilding. And you often see this around Port Stewart whenever a property has been sold and the new owner decides to do something different with that property. Sometimes the property is knocked down completely. The site is cleared and the rebuilding starts afresh on a clean slate and it's completely different from what was there before. Maybe there was one house, now there are two. Maybe there was a house now there are a whole uh, raft of apartments being built. But then the second approach is to uh, take the existing building and basically take everything out of it and then rebuild on top of that building. So you keep quite a lot of the walls that were already there. You keep the same position and you're just building a new house but using the existing structure that's already there. What ends up is completely different from what was there, but if you know what to look for, you can see what was there originally. And so there are those two approaches to building. 
And so today we're going to be looking at how we can rebuild on what is already here in our lives. In a way, Jesus Christ comes into our lives and he takes away what was there before, gives us a new way to build, and therefore we've got a a new life that has to be built. But whenever we look at church, there's already a structure here and we're rebuilding upon that structure. And whenever we go out into the community, there's already a structure there, but the rebuilding needs to take place on top of that. So we're going to look at both aspects as we rebuild today. Now, of course, we're thinking about rebuilding with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, as we've already been thinking about today, and putting him number one in our lives. And I came across this wonderful story of a family in America that were about to build their first home. They were married, they had children, but this, they'd been renting houses, but now they were building their first home. And they wanted to make sure that the building of their home was symbolic of their lives, and their lives as Christians was built upon Jesus. And so they wanted to make sure that this new home would be built around Jesus. And so they uh, went to God's Word and found Bible verses that really signify what they hope to do in their lives ahead with Jesus Christ. And so as the house was being built, and first of all, the wooden structure was put up, the family, the wife and the the father and the daughter went round the various homes of or rooms of the home and wrote Bible verses on the wooden structure. Now, these verses would never be seen because they'll be plastered over, they'll be painted over. But they took the Bible verses and they wrote them there as a foundation to build their lives upon. Just as the house had foundations of concrete that it was being built upon, they wanted the foundation of God's Word. And what a great way to build a house. And you can uh, see some pictures here of the house and the verses being written on it. I don't have time to go into all the details today of the verses that they used, but there will be a link tomorrow in the blog uh, to the story. You can read all the verses, see all the pictures, uh, and see how the verses were appropriate for each room of the house. And it's a great way to build lives. And here you can see uh, the father and the daughter writing a verse on the floor of the house. Again, never will be seen, but they know that that is what their house is built upon. So today we're rebuilding and we're looking at the story of Nehemiah. And how Nehemiah was serving the king. The Israelites had gone into exile. Uh, Israel had been destroyed. Jerusalem had been destroyed. But some of the exiles had come back. And whenever they came back, they rebuilt the temple. But then they didn't bother rebuilding anymore after that. They rebuilt their own homes, but they didn't rebuild the city itself. And so the city was lying in ruins. Nehemiah was told of this. And he went to the king and he told the king about it. The king sent him back and told him to rebuild the city, do whatever that he thought was necessary. And uh, we were thinking earlier uh, from 1 Peter chapter 2 that Norman read to us. 
where we're told that we are, are to build uh, God's house together. We are the living stones. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And Peter here is talking about a very similar experience to the Israelites being in exile. He's looking at us being uh, living lives of sin and being called back to God and then rebuilding our lives with God at the center and being built into God's people. And Nehemiah is looking at people that had gone into exile and had come back and were now ready uh, to rebuild again. So how do we rebuild? Well, I want us just to take a few examples from Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 2 and see how we can rebuild our lives, rebuild church life, and then go out into the community and help rebuild community around us. One of the first things that Nehemiah did was to look carefully. He looked carefully at the situation before him. You can see that in verses 11 and 12 of Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah says, I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. But Nehemiah went out with a few men and looked carefully at the situation. He didn't just start building again. He didn't just say, right, let's do that wall. Let's start here. He looked carefully at the whole situation to see what was needed and what wasn't needed, to see where the best place would be to start the rebuilding process, to get an idea of what was ahead and what was needed, not just looking at the first thing that came to mind, but having a bigger plan. And so that leads us on to the second thing. He planned wisely. Whenever we're rebuilding, we should plan wisely. Not just rush in, but look carefully at what God wants us to do and then make the plans according to what he tells us to do. Nehemiah said that he set out with a few good men in verse 12 again. And he looked carefully and he, he didn't tell anyone what God had told him to do. But he made the plans wisely after looking carefully at all that was happening. And then again, in verse 16, we uh, read a little bit about these plans again. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or any others who would be doing the work. Plan wisely what you're rebuilding. Next, we see from uh, Nehemiah that we need to identify the issues. We need to see where the needs are, identify those issues, and make sure that they are dealt with. In verses 13 to 15, we see how Nehemiah went about identifying the issues. It was going around every area of the walls. 
looking carefully at them, working out what needs to be done, making those plans wisely. We read in verses 13 to 15, By night I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate. We get the list of where Nehemiah was going to and what he was doing. And he moved through. There was at one point that he couldn't get through on his horse. Uh, but he was able to go and examine the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. He had gone and identified all the issues. And if we're rebuilding, then we need to look carefully at what needs to be rebuilt. As we look at church life, we need to see where are the needs in our church. Are we truly meeting those needs with the organizations that we have? Do we need to do something differently so that we reach out with the gospel more? There's all sorts of questions we have to ask as we rebuild our own lives. We need to ask, God, God, is this what you truly want me to do? Is this the way you want me to spend my time? Is this the way you want me to spend my money? Is this the way you want me to use my talents? Is there something else that you want me to be doing instead of what I've always done for these years? And this is an opportunity like never before to identify the issues that God wants us to live by. And then we find Nehemiah and we ourselves need to start building. It's all right planning. It's all right identifying the issues. It's all right looking at all these things. But we need to then start building. And Nehemiah started and then the people came with him and followed him. Look at verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. You know how it is that something can be in ruins and you don't notice it because you get used to it. Whenever it first falls apart or whenever there's first something wrong with it, it's there, it jars on you, you see it every time you walk past. But very, very quickly, we get used to things being up, falling apart and not being right. And we just miss it as we walk past. And here, Nehemiah says, we're in disgrace. Do you see the trouble that we're in? And we need, as we go out into society, realize that society is broken. Realize that there is sin all around us. We can get very used to the sin very quickly and not notice that there is a problem. People are just going about their normal lives and we don't realize that they're lost. That they are going to hell. That there is punishment there. And just because people are doing good and living well, we think that there's no problem. But do we realize the trouble that we're in as society? Do we realize the trouble that we're in as church? Do we realize the trouble that we're in as individuals? We need to start the work so that we will no longer be in disgrace. Start building. And then we need to dig deeper. Again, verse 17. There, uh, Nehemiah looks at the problems and he calls the people to get on with the job, not just to notice what's wrong, but to do something about it, to dig deeper and to make sure that the problems are addressed and that solutions are found. And then we need to bring hope. Bring hope 
out into the world. Bring hope in our own lives. Bring hope in church. But bring hope to the community. Because people need to hear the good news of the gospel. People need to realize that Jesus Christ is the answer to our problems. That Jesus is the one who can help. He's the one who has helped us through this pandemic and continues to help us day by day. And he is the one who can change society. Verses 18 to 20 at the end of that passage help us see the hope that is being brought here uh, before uh, the people. Nehemiah says in verse 18, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start building. So they began this good work. Nehemiah had made his plans. He'd identified the issue. He'd started to build. And then he gave the people this hope that God was with them, that God had not forsaken them, that God had a plan for them. And so here he is telling them, giving them this hope, and the people decide to start building as well. Now, of course, there is uh, this uh, little bit of problem at the end where Sambalat and Tobiah And Geshem come along and they start to ridicule the people and they ask, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? What's going on? But they don't give up. Nehemiah doesn't give up. He tells the people, the God of heaven will give us success. His servants will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem, he told uh, Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem. And so here we have this whole situation where the ridicule comes at the rebuilding process and it will happen to us. People will say, why are you trusting in God? Why are you bothering with God in all that's taking place? And here the answer is given that God is with us. The God of heaven will give us success. So we are to trust in him. And we need to pray as we were praying earlier in our service for revival, that God will come and revive us in our hearts, but revive our church and revive the community that we live in, revive the world. We need God and his revival power to come. That's what we were praying for and try praying. And that's what we continue to pray for day by day. All our hope on God is founded and that is what we say today. That this rebuilding process can only take place because of what Jesus Christ can do in our lives. And so all of our hope is founded in him. And that's how we're going to end our service in a moment or two, by singing that hymn and trusting in Jesus Christ. So let let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we do not approach this rebuilding work on our own, but we do it with Jesus Christ. And so all of our hope is placed on Jesus. And today we pray that we would know his strength and his guidance and his help. We pray that Jesus would be with us so that we would know what to rebuild and how to rebuild and we would know how to walk with you. Amen. So as we come to the end of our service, I pray God's blessing upon you today. I pray that the Heavenly Father will rebuild his kingdom here and revive each one of us. 
that we will know his blessing in the days ahead, a blessing from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, both now and forevermore. Amen.